imagine sitting in the park in the heat Stomach empty, starving to eat Palms are sweaty, heart starting to beat About to get beheaded cause you didn't take the mark of the beast Bill Gates doesn't care about black teens He's trying to alter our DNA by giving us vaccines These elite Satanists are the psychoists They preparing our bodies to accept the microchip Can you imagine walking into a Wells Fargo Not being able to withdraw money because you ain't got a barcode your right hand or your forehead if you don't take the mark of the beast you're gonna fall to the floor dead head cut off bodies squirming our own government acting like nazi germans they want us to live in fear filled with uncertainty one world government under one currency i can categorically say that this is end times this virus is breaking us down just like an enzyme there's pedophiles leaving men and women childrenless these politicians are dummies and the devil's a ventriloquist Stemming from Epstein's Island Gavin Newsom ain't your governor He's a tyrant He took away everything That makes us happy and vibrant And put a mask on us To keep us silent Can you imagine sitting in the park in the heat Stomach empty Starving to eat Palms are sweaty Heart starting to beat About to get beheaded Cause you didn't take the mark of the beast Bill Gates doesn't care about black teens He's trying to alter our DNA By giving us vaccines These elite Satanists Are the psychoists to accept the microchip. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Josh and Jason Monday Christian and Conspiracy Podcast Show. I am your host. Josh Monday. If you don't know me, I'm a Christian rapper, devoted husband, father, and army veteran. And I'd like to introduce you to my co-host. He's a Christian, devoted husband, and father. What's up, Jason? Hey, what's up, everybody? How's it going, Chris? And how's it going, Josh? Uh, hope everybody's doing good out there and staying healthy. God bless everybody out there. And uh, let's get this show on the road because it's going to be... Sure. So I'd like to introduce you guys to our guest, is uh, Chris Williamson. Um, he, your show is called Vanished. Is it is it yeah. Vanished podcast? Uh, just Vanished. It's vanished. If you put Vanished into any, you know, podcatcher, it'll find it. Okay. So yeah, yeah, just look up Vanished if you guys want to get a hold of Chris. Chris uh, does. He he has a bunch of awesome shows. Um, he hit me up after we did the Mark Sargent, I think, show. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I was like, cool, man. Um, I think uh, this will be interesting. But um, uh, let's get the show on the road. We're gonna be talking about Amelia Earnhardt. It looks like. Uh, yep. her disappearance, which is a good conspiracy, maybe a little DB Cooper, you know, we'll kind of get into it and, uh, we'll, we'll let, uh, we'll give the floor to Chris. Go ahead, brother. Yeah, man. Well, thank you for having me. I, I appreciate it. Uh, I'm, I'm happy to be here. It's an honor and, uh, willing to, to talk about, uh, wherever you guys, you know, wherever you guys want to venture tonight, we can talk about all that. So if you want to start with their heart, we can certainly start with their heart. Perfect. Let's do this for sure. All right, man. Well, uh, for those who don't know, Amelia Earhart was, uh, you know, a pretty famous person. Uh, historically speaking, she was uh, born in Atchison, Kansas, which is not too far from where I'm sitting right now. And she uh, was a record setting aviatrix at the time. She grew up and kind of grew into the golden age of aviation. And she, uh, you know, sort of broke onto the scene and, and immediately started having this impact, this, this massive impact. And basically broke every record you can imagine in aviation, um, did a lot of different things that no one had ever done. And at the height of her career, or sort of at the pinnacle of her career, uh, she's on a, a world flight attempt with her navigator, Fred Noonan. 
and um, they are on the very last leg of their attempt, trying to find this tiny island in the middle of the Pacific Ocean. And they basically disappear. They basically vanish into thin earth uh, from based on you know who you talk to, just a couple hundred miles shy of their destination, which just kind of adds to the tragedy of it. Uh, they're very close and they just basically disappeared and no one's ever seen the plane. Uh, no one has seen Noonan. No one has seen Earhart. So they basically vanish into thin air and it's been 85 years ago this July that they've been missing. So I think what we need to understand, guys, is that the airplane was actually invented only in like 1903, guys. So this is like December 17, 1903 is when it was just invented, right? So yeah. Earnhardt, her flight was in what, July 2nd, 1937? Yeah, so no, no. July 2nd, 1937 is when Earhart and uh, Noonan disappear over the Pacific Ocean. So yeah, 19, so, 1937. So I mean, the, the first commercial flight, I think, was in 1914, guys. So she, uh, you got to think about it. The, the, the technology wasn't uh, where it's at today, obviously, okay? So, so mm -hmm. she, for her to be doing this and pulling these maneuvers and, and, and breaking records, I mean, that takes a lot of courage, a lot of guts. Um, I'm surprised that she, I, I, she was never in the military, right? I, I'm surprised she was never in the, in the, in the, in the air force or anything, man. Yeah, no, she, she wasn't, she had some experience, um, in, uh, up North in Canada, um, just after the, uh, first world war, she was a nurse. She was a, uh, she was basically, she worked in a hospital and she, she saw some of the men coming back after war. Um, and she, you know, helped, helped take care of them. And, and she actually got really sick herself at that point and, really from that point on she had this sort of real distaste for war uh you know okay. she was sort of a feminist she was someone that was very passive uh when it came to war she wasn't she didn't believe that we should be getting involved and uh so yeah she was she she had seen it firsthand and i think that had a big effect on her you know the rest of her yeah. life so yeah. i see she won the distinguished flying cross which is i know you i mean i was kind of looking into that i was like wow she well she won an award uh probably yeah. for her heroic uh you know stuff that she was doing Usually right. military members get that, but she got it because of her, um, uh, her know. solo flight. Yeah. Her solo yeah, flights. Yeah. So she's, hey, yeah, oh, she, uh, Oh, sorry. Sorry. Uh, she, no, came, no, go for it. Uh, she came across, she started in Oakland, right. And started that flight started in Oakland. Right. Mm -hmm. And it was supposed to go along the equator. So yep, they're not taking it. They didn't take a straight line all the way there. It was zigzagging mm -hmm. all the way across the, like, I was wondering, like, what her disappearance was like, I started like trying to dig and see if there's any like rumors about it or, or, and I heard some pretty, some pretty different ones, some pretty off the wall ones and some pretty really interesting ones. But why, what I'm thinking is that if you're flying across the equator, right, you would never mm -hmm. hit ice. Yeah. Right. Hit it. I think she hit ice and she's like, well, I shouldn't be flying across the equator. I feel like she found something that wasn't supposed to be there because nobody's ever took a flight like this before. Not, right. man, not, not anybody else. So that was my, when I started thinking about flat earth, mm -hmm. <laughs> that's what I was like, man, I started, I was like, wow, man, if you were trying to keep a secret like this and then I started, and, and, and I started, I know we don't, we always bring up flat earth on almost every episode. <laughs> this bothered me. Cause it, like, it, I swear to you, it, it said something. I'm like, why would she fly across just the equator? She's not allowed yeah. to fly up or down. And this is before this. The isn't this before the uh, the treaty or just after? Oh yeah, this is way before the treaty, bro. The treaty was, yeah. a, was already, Admiral Byrd was the one that 
that well, I know Chris is familiar with this as well, but yeah, you know, yeah. Admiral Byrd, Admiral Byrd was that's another guy that you know we, we've talked about on the podcast, guys. So Admiral Byrd was going on these, you know, he was doing the uh the 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 north. Well, I'm like pointing up yes. and down. I don't even know what it is, but <laughs> but she only they only uh, put enough gas in there and fuel. But she's for a, for a trip that wasn't expected to be taken on no, 10,000 feet ascend, mm. ascend in the sky. That burned yeah. up fuel. So she had to go stop somewhere. She stopped off there. And then, then she vanishes. Then there's another rumor that she was working for the United States and that the, the war and stuff like that. That was yeah. an interesting one to me. That's what I felt was very interesting. Well, Chris, the wall yeah. crazy, but I thought that was very interesting. Yeah. The spy theory. Yeah. 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 What is what? What are the couple of the different uh, conspiracies that are out there, Chris? Also, oh did gosh, you a, did you write a book too, or so, didn't you just complete a book? Uh, it's yeah, it's it's pretty. It's an interesting time. It's it's uh, okay. it's actually just getting ready to get go to the publisher right now for their okay. to you know to sort of get created. So we'll have the book out on July second uh, on the eighty fifth anniversary this year. So yeah, it'll be out. Awesome. Yeah, thank you, man. It's it's uh, it's been an interesting process, mine, dude. Awesome, bro. That's very good. I wouldn't. Yeah. I don't think I have enough like time right now because I. Yeah. <laughs> but well, when up, maybe when I'm like in my sixties, step back and write one and just be like, okay, cool. This I can yeah. barely read a book, but much less write a book. Dude, I can barely even read a book. I can barely oh, even go yeah, through the Bible yeah. right now. I got so much going on. Yeah, yeah well, drive for it, if though. you can get through that, you can get through anything. I think you know, as far as like <laughs> the, the the complexity of 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 that. But yeah. I, no. You know, we're, we're working on it. It's, it's almost, it's almost done. It's almost out of my hands. It's sort of, it's almost in that sweet spot right now where I can just sort of wash my hands of it and just kind of enjoy nice. sort of the, the promotional period that'll eventually come for it and, and, and all that good stuff. But um, yeah, it's, it's sort of the culmination of, of my involvement in the Earhart case. You know, it's been a little over 20 years now for me. So I'm, I'm, wow. um, I'm tired, you know, it's, it's been a long time and, and, and that's, I'm considered a newbie, I think, you know, by the stretch of the Earhart case, it's, there's been people that have been doing this for, you know, 30 to 50 years of their whole lives. And so yeah. someone like me is, is, you know, just kind of toward the bottom or even the middle of the pack, as far as experience is concerned. So wow. uh, this book is, is the culmination. So when it comes out, I, I get to sort of take a, take a deep breath finally and, and uh, you know, try make to sure enjoy let it. Me know, so. Whenever a guest comes on and they, and they, and they have a book, bro, I always buy it. So make sure you send Absolutely. me uh, a link. I'll definitely yeah. purchase it from you, but go ahead, yeah. Chris, go, go into some of the uh, theories that some people have, if you could, and, and kind of yeah. dig into it, because it sounds pretty interesting so far. Yeah, man. Well, there's, you know, there's no shortage. We could go all night on this, but basically the foundation is, is what we sort of already touched on was that they, you know, they were en route to this tiny Island, um, you know, and they, uh, they just fell short. They ran out of fuel. They, you know, they, um, as you guys said, they, misinterpreted some of the headwinds and some of the stuff that they would be dealing with some of the radio communication uh, they never made two ray two-way radio communication with this uh coast guard cutter atasca this ship that was lying in wait off howland avenue or Hi howland, howland island uh yeah. so they were coming down and, and that the atasca was there to sort of help guide them into the island let them refuel and make their last stop from howland to back to hawaii and then eventually to oakland to complete it so that's the foundation uh, there's a lot of different theories based off who you believe. One of them is is known as the castaway theory. If you if you Google uh, a group called Tigar, it's T A G or T I G H A R. Uh, they stand for the International Group of Historic Aircraft Recovery. Uh, they have believed and worked on this island called Nicomaroro, which is about 405 miles away from Howland Island, uh, for a long time now. 
And uh, they've been working on this island, gathering, you know, circumstantial evidence, some pretty interesting stuff there. Uh, there were these bones that were found as a, you know, in this camp on this island that they have been, you know, working on for many years, claiming just recently or just within a couple of years ago now that the bones likely match Amelia Earhart. There's a lot of different variety and debate there. Um, one of the other theories is the, the you touched on it as well that she might have been a spy. You know, Japanese capture is a is a big one. It's been going on since 1960. And, um, you know, that thing just kind of, it's a massive umbrella that all these different subplots are underneath. And uh, the whole idea is that she and Noonan were, were captured by the Japanese, were held for a time. It kind of ventures out, depending on what you believe. She either died in Japanese custody uh, or she was, you know, buried in Saipan somewhere, or uh, she died of dysentery in a jail cell uh, in a prison called Garapan in a town called Garapan. Wow. And uh, it's a, so it's a pretty brutal end, uh, you know, however, however you want to look at that particular theory. Mm-hmm. And there's also, um, you know, an extension of that theory that she was actually returned, uh, repatriated back to the United States. And it's basically just an alternate ending to that story. The idea was that she lived and she lived to a very old age. Of, was, wasn't there a name of that? I can't remember what the name of, of the lady was that they said that she came back as. Um... Yeah, her, her name was Irene Bolum. And she go. was a she was a she was a pilot in her own right, and she has a very sketchy past in her own right. And uh, we actually, um, you know, we have we have some audio tapes of Irene Bolum that's that have never been heard before, where she sort of talks about her personal experiences. And we've uncovered since we started kind of looking into this that she did in fact know Amelia Earhart, you know, pretty okay. well. They knew each other. They had they had interacted several times, and the okay. idea was that maybe. You know, uh, this kind of ties into this theory that there's multiple planes involved, that Amelia Earhart was on a spy mission and that there was a, you know, there was a real person and there was a decoy plane with a decoy pilot. Oh. And that, that's how Bola might have oh. gotten involved. Um, oh. It just goes on and on and on. And, and then, there, you know, the most current one is the newest one is something called the Buka theory, Buka hypothesis, however you want to call it. And um, basically the long and short of that is, is, is they were flying and they got to, to about the halfway point from uh, it was a little place called Buka Bougainville. And it's actually kind of right in the middle of um, Howland Island and in, in Lay New Guinea where they took off. And they yep. essentially turned, well, the idea was that they essentially turned around when they realized that they weren't going to make uh, they weren't going to make Howland off the fuel that they had. They were burning too much fuel. They made a executive decision between the two of them turned around, got into a storm, lightning hit the aircraft, struck the left side of the aircraft, and it actually landed in this island or off the coast of this island. It sits in less than 150 feet of water right now. Um, and that plane has been investigated for years by a team uh, called Project Blue Angel, and that's headed up by a gentleman by the name of Bill Snavely. And they're out there in Buka trying to determine if this plane that they have out there is not only a plane, but the plane. And wow. uh, if it is, then you know, we now have to retell this story and, and it kind of challenges the status quo and challenges historical record a little bit. But um, all of these that I've mentioned in this short period of time really is just kind of everybody's sort of been fighting for these theories for, you know, sometimes four or five decades in some cases wow. and uh, going back and forth. And there's always information that's coming out, you know, every every year or something hits again with their heart. So what do you think, though, Chris? What do you think happened? Like you're you're because all your research what you've done is what? That's twenty years. Yeah, it's been I would, a long time. I would, I would believe what you would say. I probably I would take. I would, <laughs> that's that, that's a, like expert to me. Well, I you know, expertise isn't necessarily based on time. I'll just say that. Uh, for me personally, yeah. I've been involved in it. I've neck deep for a long time. Yes, I've I've interviewed you know everybody, mostly everybody who's anybody in the case. There's been a few standouts I haven't been able to talk with yet, but 
you know, I, I believe it's a possibility that any one of these things, you know, could be it. Uh, Crash and Sync has the, you know, the, the official story is kind of behind it. They have testimony from the radio operators that wrote down in the logs the exact words that Amelia Earhart was saying. Um, you know, they were there. They were they were pulling in a, a certain signal strength of radio connection. Uh, you know, she had a radio and and they had these um, these radio signals that were being sent out to the Itasca and that was telling the Itasca that she was close, like within a couple hundred miles out. She even says it. We're about 200 miles out. We're about 100 miles out. Um, so it has that. But I think I, I think the the elephant in the room, so to speak, is is Buka right now because Buka's got this plane, and nobody in the history of 85 years of this investigation has ever found a plane, and now Buka's got this plane. I use this analogy in the show about murder cases and murder investigations. You see this all the time. If you're a murder, if you're a detective called in to investigate a murder, and let's say you know this, it's a domestic dispute gone wrong, and and there's um. You know, you, you investigate the house, it's at the house and you find blood splatter on the wall and you find a murder weapon, maybe, but there's no body. You can't find the body anywhere. So that represents, well, this is where obviously the crime happened potentially. But then let's say, you know, uh, let's say somebody, a colleague calls you and says, hey, we found a body in a dumpster two miles down, the you know, two miles down in this back alley dumpster. Well, if you're that detective, what do you do? Do you go investigate that body or do you just say, yeah, it's impossible. It could be my victim. So I'm not even going to look at it. And that's yeah. kind of. That's kind of what's happening with Buka is, you know, they have this body. The, the aircraft is a body, essentially. And it's it's a third person in this equation, essentially. And uh, that's what everybody's looking for. So I think you got to rule out Buka. Uh, you got to go in there and investigate it properly and rule it in or out. And then you got to walk backwards from there. And that's how you do it. How, how this? Oh, sorry, dude. Uh, but the, how much? Uh, how is the plane, the shape of the plane in, in, the, in the water? How, how, how preserved is it? Uh, it's not. And that's that's kind of the downside about it. If this thing is, you know, if, if we're looking at something like crash and sink and it's in the middle of the Pacific Ocean, it's 18,000 feet below the surface. Uh, mm -hmm. We all know with history like the Titanic uh, that they can actually bring up stuff. It's remarkably preserved underwater and in, in depths of that. On the flip side, in Buka, it's one of the most, um, uh, you know, disastrous under nautical environments on the face of the earth. It's wrapped in coral. Uh, it's basically uh, degraded by the coral or degraded by the coral, I should say. Um, it's basically a shell of an airplane right now. It's a corpse. And so the only way they're going to be able to determine if that's her plane is by going into some of this stuff, uh, maybe chunks of the engine or whatever might lie down there next to the wreckage and maybe pull out something that's copper, maybe copper spark plugs or something like that. It's, it's, it's important to note that that airplane had a very specific part list on it. So if they could match up even a part from a spark plug off one of the engines, it's a it's a slam dunk at that point. So hmm. that's how they have to approach it. But you're not going to get this big spectacle if, if it's actually out of Buka. You're not going to get this big spectacle of them pulling the airplane out of the water. It's just never going to happen. It's an underwater it's an underwater gravesite now. Where's Buka? So. Like what's where's Buka located next to it? Is it anywhere next to Japan at all or? or no, it's 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 kind of far. Or? Yeah, it's yes. far. So if you look at Howland Island, which is basically the, you know, Howland Island is for most people, they agree that that's where she was going. That's, that's, yeah. that was her point. So if you look at that and use that as sort of like a home base, um, you know, you got Howland Island there, that's square dead center, about 405 miles away, you've got Nicomororo, about 800 miles away, you've got the Marshall Islands, uh, mm -hmm. which would be in, you know, in that area. And then about 1700 miles away is Buka. So Marshall Islands is another uh, theory that somebody has, right? Something with the Marshall Islands, like it's Japanese capture. Yeah, it's one of those. It's, it's one, under that umbrella. Okay. Yeah. So you've got Japanese capture, and then you've got all of this, all these different pathways that it basically walks down, depending on what you believe. There's a lot of people that 
believe that Japanese were ultimately responsible for their death, but they believe differently as to, as opposed to, you know, some people that are just universally in agreement. You know, there's a lot of people that think it happened one way uh, or it happened another way. And so you, you know, you kind of have that. So it's, it's tough because you got a lot of different stuff, a lot of different, you know, um, competing facts and competing sets of theories and things of that nature. Yeah. And like you said, so. there's some, and you're right. You're right. That that time doesn't necessarily make you an expert. You're right. Because yeah, uh, some people are, you know, yeah. Like some people are more easily convinced on something, you know, and they don't dig yeah. deep and deep and deep and deeper, you know, it's good to, to, to dig into all of it and then, come yeah. up with your, you know, your, your, your own theory of it, I guess, you know, yeah, you, that's that's exactly what you do, and that's that's what we do with the show. Is you know, foundationally speaking, the show is there to 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 challenge the facts. You know, the, the tagline for the show is "Follow the evidence wherever it leads," and that's what we yeah. do. Uh, my partner is a criminal defense attorney out of Austin, and we, nice. you know, we do this show and we 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 do these mock trials, this trial by jury, which is kind of what we become known for. And the whole idea, original idea as it stood, was, you know, hey, if if we're all sitting in a jury box and we're listening to all five of these. Uh, sets of experts, you know, present these theories with one of us advocating, uh, you know, if you're in a jury box, what's going to sell you? You know, if, if you think, hey, we have witnesses that were talking to her, or at least, you know, putting out communication, we have the logs, we know where she was going, she was telling us it's, it's, you know, she ran out of fuel, and that's that. Um, or are you going to look at something like forensic evidence or something like 200 eyewitnesses in the Marshall Islands and Saipan that say they saw Earhart, Noonan, or the Lockheed Electra, they interacted with one or the three, or sometimes multiple, um, if you have 200 eyewitnesses to a murder, that's kind of hard to ignore. So yeah. you have to kind of look at that, you know, of course that would never happen, but if you did, you know, it would be impossible to, to, to ignore that. So, um, that's kind of what you're dealing with here. You know, that's just kind of how it works. That's the nature of the case. Those 200 people's story matched up exactly the same, like most, like very close, but maybe yeah. like in the same time, but I'm thinking like, how can you even test the age of the plane? Because mm -hmm. if that's the age of the plane. A lot of planes would go, who knows how many times that those flights were being made through there and, and somebody crashed. But if it's right. that old, if it's that old, like, and it's and it's in when you think like going when they made that course and they plotted that course that maybe you know was a pretty big thing in America. So maybe they had like places out there. Is that like an American waters or is that just national waters? Like that's, that's like yeah, it's, it's international. I mean, it's so if, if, if you buy, if you buy the spy theory, you know, if your if your idea is like, Hey, I, I think this is good. And, and it's certainly got some compelling evidence on it. Um, you know, the whole idea that they, uh, that they were going to be taking pictures of certain islands and certain, certain spots is because, you know, this was pre-World War II, obviously this was several years before Pearl Harbor and that, you know, official. I, but I think like when they, when she made the call, they plowed the course, you would think that mm -hmm. I'm thinking like other countries or if there would be a pretty big thing in America, it'd be like a worldwide, like, a, like, yeah. Sold event and other countries would be like, Oh, maybe we know we'll help you along the way. Like, let me know where you're going and, and always keep in contact with, cause they probably have, it's a big thing. It's a one woman is making a huge step in, 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 in history. Yeah. yeah. So we think other countries like, okay, we'll help her out. This is not, this is not war. This isn't about like, it's like a marathon. If, if you're gonna right. do the same exact thing, other countries are probably gonna involve. So you would think that they would okay. If you're over Boca or if you're over mm -hmm. what's the other island? Uh, 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 Nick, yeah, Nick Amororo. It's a tough one to say. Nick yeah. Amororo. Yeah. <laughs> you think the people out there are like, okay, well, we're gonna help you. If you're by here, you know, hit us up with the radio. And if you're going yeah. down, because you're you're almost gonna run out of gas. You know, yeah. you're, you're you're like that close. You're only gauged about 800 miles. 
And that could burn if you go, like you said, the headwinds and also ascending. Why did they right. ascend 10,000 feet? That's a lot. That's high. Yeah, that's a that's a great question. We, we talk about that. We dispute that a lot on the show or, or debate that a lot in the show that she in her last radio log, she actually says we're flying at a thousand feet. Now, why would she want to do that? There's a lot of theory to that. Uh, one of the reasons was because that they believed that there was cloud cover um, over over the island. And if you look at Nicomoro, I'm sorry, if you look at Howland Island, it's very, very difficult to spot. And they were really doing something that was very difficult to do. And they um, they had very little visibility. And so we think that it's possible that she could have dropped to a thousand feet to get below that cloud cover. Uh, but at that point, she would have still been it would have been a very difficult point for her to see the island, mm -hmm. um, even at a thousand feet. So there's also, you know, the idea that she dropped to a thousand feet because she knew she was going down. You know, the fuel was actually rapidly depleting and she knew this was the end. Uh, she basically her last word was the word wait. She cuts off almost mid-sentence and she goes out. So they're they're thinking maybe that was when she threw down the mic and she was taking the reins of the plane and she was trying to do something called a pancake landing, which is basically um, putting the airplane down as flat as you can on a on a nautical surface or even a, a hard surface. Uh, so that way, you know, the belly of the plane hits the the surface and you can actually skid and, and try to preserve the plane as much as you can. Uh, if that would have happened, then there's a lot of people that agree that that plane was made of aluminum. That plat that plane might have been able to be like a ping pong ball with wings. It would have floated indefinitely. But if that thing went down and we know it was nose heavy with the engines, if it went down and it pierced something and water started rushing in, she would have had maybe 30 seconds to a minute before that plane was underwater. It would have been really quick. And there ain't no ship that's going to get to her within 30 seconds to a minute at that point. So course, it's yeah. a scary situation. It, you know, the whole, it, the ending is scary for her. Uh, however you want to slice it, you know, whether she died as a castaway on an island by herself, uh, mm. what, you know, whether she sank in the middle of the ocean, uh, whether she was executed or, you know, she kicked into a shallow grave or died alone and, and you know, infected with dysentery in a prison, or she came back to, uh, you know, new, uh, to the, to the United States and she was basically sworn to secrecy and she never flew again. And she lost her whole life. She essentially died in a sense, uh, that way. So, it's it's not it's not pleasant anywhere you cut it for Amelia Earhart as far as the ending is concerned. Yeah, Pearl Harbor was in 1941 and she disappeared right. in 1937, right? Oh, right. Yeah. So there's there, there's people that believe that she might have been, you know, if she, yeah, it's possible she could have been in custody for uh, there's some some of the theory that says five to six years, seven years even. So that's that's it's possible if you if you believe that and you feel that's the case that she was actually in Japanese custody when Pearl Harbor happened and she was still alive. Mm um well, you know what, so well, the thing the thing that i mean the thing that i was thinking was like for her to be a spy and have to you know to go over japan at that time um 1937 i mean how involved were we in the war we we weren't we weren't in the war yet America. right we right we we weren't um and of course we would that would change drastically just a, you know just a handful of years later but um we weren't really that involved and i i think we're neutral you know, at the time yeah sort of and, Sort of, but I think FDR FDR saw the writing on the wall, and I think that's partly why he, again, I mean, this is a choose-your-own-adventure kind of thing at this point, but that's partly why he would have told her, hey, we need you to go and take these pictures of the, of the Pacific Theater and these mandated islands. We need to get oh. intel on these things, and uh, yeah, that's, like, that's possible. Maybe they were like, we're going to fund your flight. You can do. You can still break your record, but we need you to go do this for us as well, right? Or something. I don't know. Yeah, quid pro quo. Uh, <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. You're you're definitely you're right on the right track. I mean, if, if you go with that idea, the, the idea is it's a quid pro quo. So she, 
you know, not to go too too deep into the weeds here, but basically she uh, she was going to go a, a different direction the first time. She was going to go, you know, she went east basically uh, for the actual flight, but she wasn't going to always go east. She was going to go the opposite direction. And they had this incident in Hawaii where she ground looped and crashed the plane on takeoff. And, mm. um, you know, that was after a successful first leg from Oakland to Hawaii. And so she grounds a plane, crashes a plane. Uh, Purdue University, who is she, who she had been actually employed by as a, um, as a basically an adjunct professor, at the time for about a year and a half at this point, um, financed that plane to the tune of $80,000, which, you know, $80,000 in 1936 oh, yeah. money is, is a mm -hmm. lot of money. And, um, you know, they basically mortgaged their future. Uh, this plane or this world flight was going to seal her fate. You know, uh, it turns out it sealed it in a different way, but it, it was going to seal it uh, the rest of her career. Um, and, you know, there's a lot of talk that when that plane ground looped and crashed, they had no money, they were out of options. And it took 11 branches of the United States government to come together to refund the rebuild of that plane. And we don't know what we don't know about maybe what they would have said at that point. And yeah. that kind of alludes well, to what you're talking about. Like, no problem, you know, have a seat real quick. All right, let's talk this over. Yep. Uh, we're gonna need you to do this for yeah. us. And we're gonna, we're gonna, and, and like you said, I think that's interesting where they had a decoy plane actually doing it. People are following that plane while she's over here doing the spy work. That yeah. does, yeah, that's that's an interesting. Uh, I, I I didn't even. This is why I like. It that gets book, crazy. Uh, there, wasn't many, there wasn't that many women pilots back then. There wasn't. Yeah, like, it was. Grab a whole bunch of them, and and, and so if, the, if you're using one woman and you have another, that that's that's that yeah, because that other woman that that other woman that was involved in it that they said that she came back as yeah she, she was a pilot too right she had she had, yeah. a, she had a license and that's 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 kind of like. You're, you, there were still women like just sitting at home and baking, you know, mm -hmm. cakes and suffering and taking care of their kids. They weren't going out trying to be a pilot and trying to step up and 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 do it like what men were doing back in the day because that's that's not what they were doing. And I'm not saying like trying to be like sexist or anything, but that's just right. That's just how right. it was. Yeah, uh, you know, uh, Amelia Earhart was was certainly the loudest voice in the room. She was she was a pilot. She was certainly wasn't the first. Uh, there were some fantastic pilots back in the day. Um, Amelia herself took part in the 1929 Women's Air Derby, and that had, if you look at that, I, we talk about it in the book. If you look at that Air Derby, it's like a Hall of Fame of female aviation, uh, you know, female wow. pilots. Um, she was close with all of them. They were all pretty close friends. They, they founded the 99s, which is still in operation today. And it's, uh, you know, an organization for women pilots. That was, she was the first president of the 99s. Uh, mm -hmm. she had that platform with Purdue. She was making, um, you know, $50,000 a year or 40 to $50,000 a year on lectures, which is equivalent to about half a million dollars today on lectures on the lecture circuit. She had inspired, uh, many hundreds of women at Purdue who were going to get just a general degree to become to go a different way and become engineers, uh, mathematicians. She was a pioneer in STEM before STEM was even an acronym. Uh, she was, you know, she was a, a really loud voice for female empowerment and for women in aviation. And a, really a lot of women now, which is really remarkable, credit this woman who disappeared 85 years ago with pioneering, you know, uh, sections and parts of the space industry and aerospace and why we have, you know, we've had female NASA, uh, you know, people in NASA, executives at NASA and female astronauts. And, you know, you could go all day. Her, her reach is astounding um, 85 years later, which is why people so, care so much about this, I think. Okay. So um, usually for someone to get famous in, 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 in the conspiracy world, you know, 
Does she have any ties to any secret societies, anything like that? Eastern star. Do you, did you see anything about that? You know, for, for her to be, you know, I don't want to, I'm not trying to put any negative light on her. I'm just saying like, no, no, not at all. Uh, It's hard to, to get famous like this or to be that, that, that person in the front without having to do something to get there. You know, I don't know about back then. I know how it is now, but um, yeah, like that. Just curious. No, no, not, not that we've ever uncovered. I mean, she was, uh, you know, it just, it speculation runs rampant throughout this case. So it it depends on really kind of who you talk to and, and, and what kind of what they believe, but there's, there's, you know, she had her influence was wide reaching when it came to just female, you know, just women empowerment and just women in aviation. And she was breaking all these records. She was, you know, there were, there were, you know, massive ticker tape parades for her when she came back as a passenger for her first go round across the Atlantic. And then when she broke that record, I mean, this is a woman who walked away from 11 crashes, you know, in the golden age of aviation, she broke, uh, you know, there's dozens of records, some that hold to this day. Uh, you know, one of my favorite stories is this, the story of the auto gyro, which is like this experimental helicopter sort of aircraft that was, um, you know, basically debuting in that time. And she broke the altitude record in that, um, you know, she was the first person in that plane. She's, you know, she was basically like a, you know, modern day or, a, you know, a, I won't say modern day, but like an India, like a female version of Indiana Jones in a way she was a yeah. scientist. Uh, that plane was going to be testing um, a lot of scientific theory that was part of why they called it something they, they called it the flying laboratory for a reason it was because it was it was basically a scientific experiment so mm-hmm. she was you know she she was she was just big uh making her mark all around the world she was an editor for cosmopolitan she had her own luggage line she had all these endorsements uh you know she was as big as charles Lindbergh. that's why they called her lady lindy you know she was a female version of charles Lindbergh, essentially so you know and she's got this big this big question mark on the end of her story. She's 39 years old when she disappears. Um, you know, that's, that's an old, that's old for, for, uh, for a woman at that time that was doing what she did with all, as, as much death as there was in aviation. It's a wonder that she, she lived to 39, you know, um, yeah. pretty remarkable, but yeah, she was just, just imagine the most famous person you can think of, uh, just the most famous female you can think of, you know, just vanishing off the face of the earth. Um, and, and just no one ever, you know, decades go by and no one ever finds, you know, finds out anything. And that's kind of where we're at. You know, we have a lot of information, but, uh, we're no closer to finding this aircraft and knowing the ending, uh, than we were on July 3rd, the day after they disappeared 85 years ago. So it's really remarkable in that sense. You know, it's a case that just kind of never ends. Wow. I see, so. I see your husband is, uh, was George Palmer Putman, huh? He's a uh, Putnam. Yeah. Putnam. 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 Wow. Yeah. He was actually, uh, he was a big time publisher and he was big time he publisher. Was, a lot of money, he, uh, a lot of money yep. there. See that. Yeah. He had published, uh, he had published Charles Lindbergh's autobiography five years before Earhart, you know, came on, came on the scene. And so he was, you know, he was smitten by her when he first talked to her and, you know, their whole relationship is a whole nother deal. It's pretty amazing yeah. in its own right. And, um, yeah, I mean, you know, she was, she's a pretty big deal, you know, in in a lot of different senses. And I think that's why people, uh, people are so aggressive when it comes to trying to solve this case and, and be the ones to, to crack it essentially and and finish it, you know? So, man, that's interesting. I didn't know she was that that famous like that. Cause I did a, like, kind of like a little, when I was younger, did a report on her. I didn't know she, I didn't. Yeah. It was just like it, it was like this, just talked about the just like her accomplishments. Right? She 
She was she was BA, dude. She was a BA woman, man. That's 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 she was. That's pretty. Uh, that's pretty outstanding. This is that's great information on on somebody that that uh, that clears a lot of my my uh, my uh, my thoughts about that. I'm like, dang. So she's like the movie star, like like she blew like uh, like Venus Williams and all these <laughs> type of people back then, like the the forefront of doing something so great. And she, but she paved the way for all these women. All yeah, these, she helped out so her even her death doesn't go. Mm-hmm. It doesn't go like in vain. She say she helped out a lot of women throughout history, all the way till now. Just being being anything now, being strong and being heads of companies, being heads yep. of you know a million a billion dollar company, stuff like that. She's you know like look, look they have, I'm not saying anything good about Kamala Harris, but there you go. She's a she's a you know a woman vice president now that you yep. You, the, the, I don't think that you would have that type of stuff without these type with this with this woman in this in this uh, in this era of life. Women That's, like women, right? Like her. Yeah, for sure. yeah, right. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, it's it's one of those situations where she was, you know, yeah, she she takes a, you know, she takes a a, a big chunk of that. I think you know she's a reason why a lot of people are are as big as they are. That stuff like that. That's that's like something you. That's that's pretty that's pretty cool, man. I, I didn't think of it that way. That's I just thought of it as just a mystery. That that's it. Not not how how like accomplished she was. I didn't, I never even thought to look into that. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. You know, there's, there's all kinds of fun stories. Uh, you know, there's a, there's a woman who taught her how to fly earlier in her career. Her name was Netta Snook. If you look her up, she's a, she's an icon in her own right. She was, uh, from Iowa and Amelia Earhart had been to Iowa as a little girl. Um, and they struck up a conversation one day. They'd met each other and Netta agreed to teach her. And, and a few lessons later, Earhart's in the air, right? So she's flying within a few, you know, a few lessons. It's a natural. Um, yeah. So, so what's crazy is, you know, early on in the golden age of aviation, like you, you see like little things, um, you know, Earhart was very self-aware. Uh, I, I don't think you could have put anybody else in Earhart's position uh, and, and, and had that person have the same fame and the same sort of notoriety. I think she was, she was very special. There's, there's a story about her first, you know, Netta was with her when they first crashed for the first time, you know, she was, it was a first crash. Um, and it was in the, uh, it was in a field, it was called Mines Field, I think, or Miller Field, which is now, it's now LAX, of course. Uh, and they're taking off. She's too close to the trees. Uh, back in that time, they usually eucalyptus trees as windbreaks. And uh, she pulled on the stick to try to get the aircraft to go up higher and it stalled. And they sort of kited down gently into the end of the grass there and they damaged the ship, but they didn't hurt it. You know, nobody got hurt and all these people are running over and Netta turns around and Amelia's sort of facing away from her. And she's looking at the fuselage and Netta goes, what are you doing? You know, these people, they're coming to see you. And she says, give me a minute. I'm putting on lipstick. So <laughs> Amelia Earhart, Amelia Earhart knew <laughs> she was very self-aware. She knew how to, you know, we always talk about how she was, um, you know, she was, she was like just this, this bigger than life icon. She was kind of like, uh, I've kind of compared her a little bit to Marilyn Monroe in the sense that like Marilyn Monroe, if you look at some of the stuff, she could just turn it on and turn it off. It was a very, yeah. it was a very cool thing that she could do. And I think Earhart had a little bit of that in her. She was America's sweetheart. Uh, she could turn it on and turn it off. She could cuss like a Marine Corps DI. Uh, she was, um, you know, she was a, one of the guys, she was very rugged, but she was also very girly in a sense. She could walk that line. And, uh, that's what made her an icon. It was, or it was sort of, this you know if amelia Earhart was alive today she would be like a social media you know darling because that's oh, kind of yeah. how she was before all that happened you know she was like that 
you said she crashed how many times in her career of like 11 11 times so in her she, career. She, did she ever crash in water uh that's a great question i don't think so uh that's a good question um i don't if, if you unless you count the last one you know like <laughs> yeah yeah unless you count crash in water that's that's what because she knew how to crash <laughs> and i mean like when she was going down she knew how to, she knew how to land in to where it was she was going to survive because obviously she she only right. whatever happened the last time but she lived those 11 times yeah and she knew how to do it so I was, I'm wondering if any of those crashes were ever in water, if you could record any recorded ones and maybe she knew how to get out of the situation like that. And maybe she did survive on an Island or something like that. that yeah. That's how yeah, far it's interesting from Boca. How far is that? Uh, so, so Boca is, is about 1700 miles. It's the furthest uh, site from Howland Island where they were, you know, where they're supposed to be. So Boca, but Boca relies on them. Um, actually leaving Lay New Guinea with less fuel than the plate than, than the plane could carry the plane. There was a lot of speculation about how much fuel they had on that takeoff. And they're saying that they were at capacity I and mean, they were pulling everything they could think of off that plane to conserve even ounces of, of weight because they were that concerned about the plane. Um, and so the idea was that, you know, they left with a little less, uh, less fuel on board and they encountered stuff that they didn't anticipate encountering. And they were smart enough to say, we're going to turn around. And then they just they hit bad weather and crash off a of off a of buka, which is you know on the on the position, uh, it's basically in an area. It was on their flight path, but it was an area never searched by anybody. So, you know, Bill Snavely sort of has been working this theory for a little bit. Do you swim there? Could do you think the current could take you into that that island? No, I mean it's 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 often you know it's it's that it's off a you know it's off a main ocean. So I mean I, I would imagine that it's when you're in that vicinity. Uh, the idea that the plane crashed pretty close to land and pretty and kind of hit coral, uh, kind of hit a lot of reef and uh, kind of just skidded down on this on this embankment, it's underwater embankment, and it stays there. I think at that point that thing wouldn't have floated much; it would have basically just stuck there. And I think that's what happened. You know, they if that's actually the plane, then that that plane has just been sitting in you know 150 feet of water for 85 years, which is ironic that it's that close. Yeah. You know, um, you, you got to look at that like. Uh, if you compare it to crash and sink, you know, you're talking about an area, you know, they're, they're looking for, uh, you know, Howland Island, which is a floating needle in a haystack in the middle of the biggest ocean on the planet. I mean, it's, it's an area that's the, the search area is an area that's roughly the size of Texas. And you're looking for a 39 and a half foot airplane. Um, it's, it's tough. It's very tough. And so if, if that thing was off the coast of Buca this whole time, um, it would be quite sad if they didn't get out there and actually try to determine if that was the plane or not, I think. And this and that, you know, at this point anyway. So I see a picture of her walking with like uh, Herbert Hoover in 1932. Yeah, uh, that's right. On, on the president grounds at, at the at the White House. So she's she's definitely got probably had a lot of connections, man. Oh, street cred. Yeah, she's, <laughs> yeah she cred. does. Yeah. And she, you know, like I said, it just, it goes with the fame. She, she was very close with uh, not only her, you know, uh, not so much close with Hoover, but you know, she had interactions with Hoover, but she was very close with FDR and very close uh, even more so with Eleanor Roosevelt. Uh, they were good friends. You know, she took Eleanor up at a secret, in a secret flight uh, at one time. And it was, it's a really famous fun story. Uh, you know, they were close. So you look at sort of the Japanese capture idea and this idea of repatriation that's kind of put into the mix and, uh, you know, at fa on, on the face value, it kind of seems a little ridiculous. But when you start looking at it, 
you know, if anybody would have had the ability to, to have, have themselves repatriated or know the right people, it would have been Amelia Earhart. I mean, she was close with the president, you know, very close. So it's possible that, um, you know, they could have, they could have done something with that. There's, there is some truth to the fact that her dear friend, Jackie Cochran, who was a, uh, a pioneering aviator in her own right. And she was actually the founder of the WASP, the women air force service pilots. So that goes back to your military connection. Um, went actually went over to Japan uh, under the guise that she was going to file some report about uh, some you know military stuff there, and she never filed. She came back and never filed that report. And a lot of people believe that she went over there under that guise to go bring her friend back, uh, mm. which would have been pretty interesting. Uh, and it's not a it's not ridiculous. You know, we just sent a, a U.S. president not that long ago over to was it North Korea to, to bring back to. North Korean American journalists that were of North Korean descent, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, mm. I could be wrong on that, but it was something very similar. So if we can do that now, we certainly could have done that then. And, uh, you know, you just look at all that stuff and it's pretty interesting. Witness protection or something, you know? Yeah, it would have been before that was a thing, but she would have been one of the early people and, and she would have had to probably agree that she can't, uh, you know, they basically her life, that previous life is over. And um, a lot mm. of people believe, have a lot of a real problem with that. They believe that there's no way a woman that was that loud and that had that big a voice would have just been quiet and just never flown again and never, you yeah. know, uh, never yeah. interacted again. So unless she was like, up, uh, like getting straight tortured, like, and like, it was, well, like, what's, what's new to background? He was a, he was a navigator. He was, uh, he had, he had to be a, he had to be a, you're navigating a, a flight that's never been done before. Yeah. Yeah, Noonan and, and Noonan would have been the guy. We we try to shine that spotlight on Noonan as much as we can. Uh, he was the best navigator on the planet, period. If you were going to do a flight of that magnitude, he's the guy you want in the plane with you. Uh, he was, you know, he was a pioneer for Pan American Airways. Uh, and he was, you know, he had done a lot of stuff in the Pacific with the Clippers and, uh, you know, for the for, for, Pan, for Pan Am. And he was a nautical, he had nautical experience. He had, you know, um, obviously aeronautical experience. He was a pilot in his own right. And uh, he was the guy. So his navigation would have been spot on. A lot of people that are sort of on the crash and sink team or the crash and sink camp believe that his, his navigation was spot on. And, and you could, that translates because the Earhart herself was saying we're 200 miles out or 100 miles out. We you know we must be on you, but cannot see you. They were, they couldn't see the Island. So they, they believed if you go with that camp, they believe that they were right there, man, that he had them right there. And they just fell short. And that's, you know, that adds, if that's the case, that adds to the tragedy because they were just a couple hundred miles away, you know, she, not that far. She got a crash. I don't think she, she, that plane could have, shouldn't have tore up like that. Then not that it, it, it should have, she could have skidded and probably floated in it. And it, it probably floated to that a little bit closer to land. And then just, they just, yeah. it and this land on the island. And I heard the story that she had a radio and she uh -huh. was still trying to radio people. Hey, this is a million hard help. Oh yeah. And you, like you said, you're marooned on an island, and and maybe maybe Nooninator. <laughs> it was somebody. <laughs> someone ate somebody. But I heard about the crabs eating her, or or, or like. Yeah. The, uh, and but you're talking about it. That that is a scary situation to be. Like you said, that no matter what happened, that that mm -hmm. even flying that far out there, and 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 doing that planning that and and being the guy that's like just with that missed it right man sorry we were just ran out of gas we just it was a great yeah. you know fist bump it give me a hug <laughs> going down yeah 
sometimes that happens, man. Sometimes you can have, you know, a, a lot of, we had a guest on the show, Tom Detweiler, who, you know, helped, he was the operations manager on Titanic and he's worked with Nauticos and some of these other companies. And oh. uh, he's one of the most brilliant minds in the world at this. And so, you know, he, he, at, on our very own show said, you know, a lot of times in these disasters, it's, it's not one thing that goes wrong. It's the sum of a lot of little things that go wrong. And sometimes, you know, I, I, we talked about this in, you know, in some of the openings of our show, like it's possible that a bunch of things just added up to Earhart and Noonan having a really bad day and they just fell yeah. short. And, um, you know, it, it, ad it adds to the tragedy of the whole case. And, um, you know, there's been this whole, there's this whole other aspect of the case that has been quite interesting in the last 85 years. It's, it's everybody dividing up into these, these respective camps and sort of working these theories and, you know, everybody's sort of believing they have it right and everybody trying to prove that their theory is accurate and the rest See, of it is just ridiculous. Is, he's so famous and, you know, buddy, buddy with the president and she was only a hundred miles off, whatever, you know, any, any direction, she's about a hundred miles off that she was saying or whatever. Wouldn't they be searching the, like way more extensively? Like if you're not hitting your spot, she still had radio contact. And, 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 and what I'm thinking is that the, the technology wasn't that, and it's yeah. not advanced, advanced. It's right. just like, you got a ring or rinky dink radio. <laughs> yeah. That's, she had to be close to something. Well, yeah. The Coast, Guard, uh, the, the Coast Guard was waiting for her, her response. So they were, they were obviously involved as well. Right. So they were like, there, there's a lot of people involved in the situation because it's, a, it's, a, it's, you got one of the best nautical or, or, or navigators there are. You have mm -hmm. a brave uh, woman trying to, to set a record around the world. And what yeah. the went wrong? Where is she? <laughs> you know? Yeah, uh, that's that, that's the question. That's what the question people have been asking for a long time. And uh, yeah, you make you make excellent points. I You know, I think, uh, you know, their, their radio equipment was pretty good. It's, it's important to note that they never made two way communication with the Itasca. The Itasca called out multiple times. Uh, she never, she never made two-way communication back. She would just basically come on the mic and say, you know, one or two things. And then she would cut off the mic. Um, you know, it, it's a lot of weird, weird stuff. There's a lot of people, I mean, it kind of gets a little kind of out in the weeds, like I said, but a lot of people believe that the reason she never made two-way communication with the Itasca was because the, uh, all the stuff that Earhart was saying was pre-recorded and it was part of sort of a, a larger mission. So they had uh, a boat make, following her. Do they have a boat following her, like like not, in, the, in the ocean? Like, hey, Walter, not following her. No? Yeah, no, not not following her. No, they just they just had the Atasca sort of lie in wait off Howland because they knew that was their mark, and that's what the Atasca did. They refueled airplanes that came into Howland, and they they were there specifically to to make radio contact with her and guide her in. But um, why not have a like a boat that went with them. Mm -hmm. They have a lot of money. Then this is this is probably something that was sponsored. Well, like, this would be a great thing, and because you know, there's because anything could go wrong. This is not like the best. This is not the best. I know it's the best equipment yeah. back then, but it's like an invention that's like new. You know, it's like it's the, yeah. the combustible engine was just like you know right. the forefront of what it was back then. Now it's like, come on, that's that, that's just weird to me. There's there's a lot of holes in this stuff now because I didn't I didn't think of it as as, as famous. Like oh, yeah. everybody not that you just brought this all this to my attention, Chris. So like that's yeah. wow. Now I'm tripping. I'm like, wow. Yeah. Not go look for this. It's like, why not? That's that's bothers me now. Why well, they, it's like a cover up to me. 
Patriots. Yeah, well, to you know, to to your point, to address that point, you, you know, they they did spend a lot of money looking for her. Uh, they were spending. Keep in mind, this is the middle of the Great Depression, and they were spending what was equivalent to three to four million dollars, you know, in the middle of the Great Depression, looking for her, which is a lot of money back then. That's a uh, lot of money. You know, yeah. so they they did search for for a couple of weeks. Um, you know, the British government helped, the Japanese government ironically helped, um, and you know, a lot of people were. I think it might have just been to be like, oh, we'll help the spy haver. We know what you're doing or something, but I'm saying, why would somebody with her down there in in the water? Right on her eye because like hey this is a you can again encounter weather anything so we're gonna we're gonna yeah. this with you if you're gonna fund i all i know is that if i'm gonna do this i would want to do and i was famous my right. husband's a famous publisher he has a lot of money i'm chummy with the presidents i'm chummy with all this I, i'm basically out there doing i'm the lebron james of women right now <laughs> You ain't yeah. got like a, like a like a someone watching me from down from down on the in the water and stuff just around because you never know what could happen. Like, yeah, man, yeah. that that kind of bothers me now that you went somebody want to think about that and and keep that keep that uh, you know keep something like that going because that's a, that would be a famous thing you want to this you want this to be accomplished or maybe right. you don't want it to be accomplished. I don't know. Right. But. Right. Yeah. I mean that's that's a good point. There's a lot of things they probably could have done. The the lack of a plan B is uh is paramount i think when you look at this case that they they didn't have uh you know they the world flight crew it should be noted the world flight crew was actually supposed to be larger um you know there was a gentleman by the name of harry, Man harry manning that was supposed to be on board uh with them and he uh, harry manning was among other things an expert in morse code so if if they had not been able to receive radio transmission as they were then they could have transmitted morse code and the task could have taken a bearing and they could have actually gotten yeah. a better idea of where they were at but uh, Harry Manning, Harry Manning deplaned. He didn't want to be involved after the ground loop. And, uh, you know, a lot of people, there's speculation on why it wasn't just because he had to get back to his, you know, he only had a certain amount of time off of work and he had to get back to work, uh, you know, for his regular job. Um, and, you know, there's people that think about that. There's people that think about, you know, hey, he didn't want to, he didn't want to continue because he thought no, she he was, was negligent and she was, you know, yeah, she was uh, too risky for him. Mm -hmm. um, but you know, if, if they had had him on board, uh, we'd probably be having a totally different discussion right now, historically speaking. You know, she probably would have made it. Uh, who knows? I mean, it's all speculation. This whole thing is has become this giant mountain of speculation based off of, you know, different types of evidence that all these different theories have in their, you know, to support their, th their work and their theory and what they believe happened. So, uh, you know, it's anybody's so. guess at this point. Yeah, she must have had such a big impact to have so many people working on, you know, trying to find out her death, at, even to this day, you know, so pretty. Yeah. Pretty man. Yeah, this, you know, this, this case is, this case is weird. Uh, you know, this, this whole thing, I, you know, I, I, I won't go too long, but I, I will just say that, you know, this whole thing begins and ends with collaboration. So it starts with people coming together and, and sharing like information. That's how they, we got so far after 9-11. You know, people are sort of hogging all their information, all these separate departments, and they decided to come together. And that's when we started to get a better understanding, right? Yeah. Arguing isn't going to get you anywhere. And, and forcing nope. your arguments onto someone else in the hopes that they'll change your view, it's, it's not going to work. You know, 85 years have proven that. Um, there needs to be a change in the way we talk about cases like this one. And if you have, to, if you have things to say, say them. But you know, say them, find people who will listen, talk to them. The ones who aren't listening, pull back because you're, you're devaluing what you have to say by offering it up to an audience that does nothing but reject it. Yeah. And we've had our fill of that. So now it's time to pivot from there. And, and you're starting to see a lot of that 
sort of that reach across the aisle, so to speak, that cross collaboration, cross theory about people that are coming together and saying, hey, I, I like what you've got here. I disagree with this, but let's talk about this. This is an interesting thread. You're starting to see that. And I think that's the only way that cases like this are ever going to get solved. So, yeah, you know, that's good. Yeah, knows? you guys got to work together, man. Like if you're if there was detectives in set, set you know, let's say if a murder happened over here and then they think it's the same murder in this other department. If uh, if they're if they have all this ego of, of like, I know I'm right about this, like it's better for them to come together, work it out and tell this person what they know. And then they, they this detective says what he knows and then they work together and then they solve the case. So I, I do believe yeah. that's 100 percent. And like, right. It, it happens a lot, though, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, a lot and, of different things. JFK assassination. Oh, yeah. Um, you know, there's a whole list of things you could you could talk about where people have an idea of what happened and they're just stuck on it, you know? So yeah, it's, 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 yeah. um, yeah. Just yeah. For, you know, for, for the show, I have, uh, my role is, is fun in a way. I have three options. Uh, you know, not only in this case, but everything else we've covered, you know, as a whole, I, I have to tell, I can tell, I can show and I can prove, uh, oh. and my role in the show, it always begins with the story. That's the tell, right? So the show is me sorting lay, sort of laying out a different ending, uh, based on all the evidence that we've got. Uh, you know, there's yeah. forensic evidence, there's all these different things. So I have to lay out a different ending. And with that, if we can't prove it unequivocally, the hope is that we can cast sort of enough doubt to have people look over from a crash and sink and give some attention to some of these other theories. And it's, you know, Castaway and, and Tiger and that group, have, they've been masters at, at sort of, you know, um, working the media and getting their story out there. And, you know, they get a lot of attention every time they come out with something. Um, that's important. I think anybody that comes out with something new in this case, whether it's Japanese capture or cat, whatever the theory is, it, it helps because it forwards that case. And that's, that's all that matters. We forward this case and, and we try to sort of use in, inductive reasoning in the show to sort of see everything we can and then deduce from there, uh, you know, what is, is accurate and what is probably not accurate. And, you know, my role in the show is to try to act as the advocate for all five of these theories and try to convince our jury, which is our listening audience, you know, Hey, this is what happened. That's pretty cool. I'm going to have so. to, I'm going to check your show out, bro. I could, you know, that sounds like, yeah, I love, I love murder mysteries. I love like the first 48. I love detective. Oh yeah. I work. yeah. I'm not a cop or police officer, but I mean, I, uh, I did some military stuff, but yeah, I'm going to yeah, check yeah. your show out and it sounds very interesting. Thanks, man. Yeah, we, we put a lot of work into it. It's a it's a fun show. Yeah. It's a difficult show to do, but we we put a lot of work into it. Our our dives are really really deep, uh, yeah. so be prepared for that. You know, uh, we I don't like do that. these you know thirty minute dives or three four, <laughs> four you know four hour episodes some cases. Um, you know, so we're we're dedicating you know for one series anywhere between you know fifteen to twenty hours when a lot of shows will dedicate you know an hour to it. So our, our dives are pretty yeah. deep uh, and they're pretty robust. So. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's for those people who really want to dive deep. Yeah. On, on a, which on, I, on a, which on a I really honestly, a hundred percent appreciate the research, bro. Cause we, uh, we try to do as much research as we can. You know, we, we have 54 episodes already. This will be the 55th, yeah, that's but amazing. we can't, you know, we, we, we need to have subject matter experts like yourself to come on. We can only go so, so far, you know, cause we don't have 20 well, years of experience on the thing, you know? So it's good yeah, to have subject matter experts on like, like yourself. So it, it, it helps us cause we could study, you know, we can only get like, you know, 20 hours, 30 hours of research before we have somebody on. Yeah. We don't, we can't get 20 years. So it's good. To well, have it's sometimes yeah. I like to cram it in there. I like to cram it all in and then, and then, yep. uh, I like to ask questions and I just like to, but I like to, when you started telling me more about this, this is, cause I, I like the Titanic. I, I was, I love yeah. 
the story of that. I love stuff like that. I love the Bermuda Triangle. I love, mm -hmm. you know, the pyramids. I, I And this is another one that I was like, man, there's a lot of, when there's a lot of different conclusions of something. Yeah. It makes me, it's, it's like, wow, man, that's interesting to me. This falls under a thing where like, man, it's a mystery. Mm -hmm. And it, and it, could maybe they maybe maybe the the higher upper echelon maybe they know the they know the real story and, and they know the the rest of it they just don't like like there's they try to create that's, that's why you, you know what i mean like they know it they, they might know it who knows like like you said but the time like the stuff like this is is very amazing once you started to bring out all the information because before to me it was just a, like a, something history that just happened where i thought right. she was trying to break a record i thought she was a nobody yeah because I didn't dig that deep when I was a kid. I was like, <laughs> and then when you start bringing the fact that all this stuff, I was like, wow, that's yeah. a whole new thought to my head about it. I was like, okay, well, there's there's a lot more to this story because she's she was pretty beat. She's pretty BA, dude. I, I like oh, that. Oh, yeah. As my, yeah as, as my son says, she was a G for sure. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, she absolutely was. She absolutely was. And 100%, I agree with you. And it's, it's um, you know, we're optimistic. It, you know, it's it's a big ocean. And, uh, you know, even if you have an area of, of several thousand miles, that's a lot to do. And when you For do, sure. when you do something like a tow array, which is basically a kind of a digital, you know, you're kind of dragging or ROVs and you're kind of looking at certain areas, um, you know, you're moving at two knots. So, you know, you can walk faster than that. Uh, so yeah. it's, it's a really a slow process and it, it, it costs a lot of money to go out in the middle of the ocean and search for, for Earhart now to this day. And, you know, it's a case that, um, it'll continue to baffle. It's not unlike some of the other cases we've covered. It's, it's, it's a case that grabs hold of people and uh, it just, it doesn't let go and people just kind of can't get out of it. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm a good example of that, I think, you know, and, and it's funny, you mentioned that, you know, me coming on the show as, as a subject matter expert, I, I feel the same way about everybody that we talk to on the show, everybody that's in the book, everybody that we talk to, they're all the stars of the show. I'm just sort of, you know, doling out the questions and trying to kind of be a, uh, you know, a representation of the audience, you know, and ask the certain questions that audience members would, would ask if they were hosting the show. So that's kind of always been my role. And it, it's been, it's been really a lot of fun over the years to sort of learn from all these people uh, and educate myself on it and, and get to the point where I can talk about it, uh, you know, confidently uh, based yeah. off of where I am now. So it's, it's been a lot of fun. And uh, you heard about us through Mark Sargent, you said, right? I did. Yes, I did. I, I saw the Mark Sargent piece. Yeah. I, uh, Mark, Mark is a sweetheart of a guy. Uh, I have a, I have another show called me and my friends and it's a, it's just a very little minuscule thing that I do, but it's more of a personal deal. And, wow. um, I reached out to him early in that show. Um, and I just said, Hey, you know, I, I saw, saw the Netflix film and I said, Hey, I, I, I'd love to talk to you more about this. And it's, it's, it's a chance for me to to venture outside of Earhart and some of the stuff I cover uh, on Vanished and and venture into subjects that I've always wanted to venture into and talk to people that I'm, I'm I admire and uh, he's just one on a long list but he's he's a really great guy and uh, he very is open minded dude, down a, to earth yeah dude, he, he, I agree with you 100 percent man I just want to say yeah. like Mark Mark Sargent nice person uh, absolutely passionate. no ego there at all yeah yeah he'll just give yeah. you his phone number and like you hit him up. Yeah, if you want me to come on at five in the morning, Josh, I'll come on. I'm like, really? Oh my goodness! Like, you know, super yeah. nice guy, uh, super humble, and and I and I agree, man. If Mark, yeah. if you ever listen to this show, you I don't know if you're gonna listen to this one, but you know, shout out to Mark Sargent. Yeah, people, <laughs> shout out to Mark Sargent, man. Pe people, people <laughs> like that. People like that are how we're gonna solve cases like this one. 
uh, he, he's open, you know, he's, uh, he's, he's, um, he's welcoming. He's, you know, he's one of those people that, Hey, you know, I'll have that discussion with you. You know, you can disagree with me and we'll have that discussion and we'll, yeah. we'll talk amicably about it. And, um, and he takes, he takes a lot of it, it. It's a tough, it's a tough thing for him to be involved in. And he takes a lot of that in stride. Um, yeah. and you know, it, it takes a big person to be able to, to just let that stuff roll off your back and not, and not worry about it. You know, it, that's, it's admirable. So, you know, that's why I reached out to him initially and, and uh, I only had the one conversation with him, but he, yeah, I, you know, the biggest sweetheart ever. And uh, I can't say enough good things about Mark Sargent. So, yeah. Um, anything guy. else you want to leave our audience with? Cause we'll, we'll get in, maybe we'll have another show on, 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 uh, you know, DB Cooper or yeah. something like that, yeah. you know, because I don't want to, <laughs> That's a whole yeah. nother can of worms to bring up. So that way, Boy, that way maybe ever. you could study up on it and uh, and we could try to do it, man. We'll do another I'd, show. I'd be honored. I'd be honored to come back on. Yeah, you know, I just, you know, thanks for having me on. I, I This is a lot of fun. I've uh, been sort of neck deep in this book for a long time, for the better part of a year and a half now, um, editing this book and, and going through it. And we're sort of at a, a really cool time, but it's been it's been com- fun to just come on the show and, and just, just kind of talk about all this stuff in, in a loose sort of format, a casual format. That's what I try to promote on the show. And and uh, it's been a lot of fun, man. I, people check out the show. If, if you like, if you like, you know, historical mystery, if you like with a little bit of legal, if you like a little mix of true crime, we did do Jack the Ripper. I would, I would say that um, I wouldn't, I wouldn't. Uh, there's I wouldn't another, let, there's another, yeah. I like that's like a, that's a big one. I'm super. Into and stuff. I had no idea. I'm super into that stuff. I love that stuff. It makes you feel like, man, you start thinking outside the box and you're like, man, what? Yeah happened here where is what is this guy thinking why mm-hmm. they do this and yeah. why would they target this person it's like man it's like what gets the rocks off i i i, yeah. I know as a as a christian and so like that i know we have a show like that and it's, it's like I, I don't like to get in it i i used to i don't like to get in that now but back then i used to love that stuff man i'm like <laughs> yeah did you do that no it's pushing your mind up like yeah. I, I study up on the night stalker i read that i read his i read his mm-hmm. uh his uh, autobiography and i was like i read like once i got like almost halfway through i was like oh my gosh i can't read this anymore is this, this, yeah. this, 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 yeah. like, this guy was like totally sick and when you get yeah. start getting into it it feels like man you could get you could once you start digging you're like man why why do these things happen why this is the and when you go in like you said like a four-hour show like that i i, yeah. I talk all night about this now Dude, I, 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 I'm right there with you, man. I, I, um, Jack the Ripper is, I would not recommend uh, younger listeners listening to that piece. Um, it's, it, it, you know, Jack the Ripper, I was very ignorant to that case. I didn't know that that was, it was that big of a deal or it was that robust. And, um, it's one of the most horrific things you'll ever experience. Um, we did the show and, and I, I didn't purposely didn't do a lot of studying before we did the show. I, I wanted that to sort of kind of, you know, un, um, unravel itself as kind of the show went on and uh, i hadn't seen the crime scene photos for like the mary jane kelly murders and some of the stuff that he that ripper was you know attributed to doing and it's the most brutal graphic stuff and you look at someone like richard ramirez and you look at someone like a lot of these modern day serial killers and this is not a compliment whatsoever but they they all were sort of inspired in a sick way by this guy this guy is like the you know the I don't, I don't want to say anything positive, but he's, he's the one that everybody sort of looks to, to sort of like emulate and try to top. And it's, it's a, it's a brutal story. And um, it was very difficult. It's, it's, when you see those crime scene photos, it's very difficult to see that somebody could do that to another human being. Um, He's the very definition of evil. So you, 
you know, it was a different pivot for us because we started, you know, we did Earhart for 16 episodes and, you know, got a hundred hours of content or whatever. And then we started season two with Jack the Ripper, which is the exact opposite of who Amelia Earhart's character yeah. was. Yeah. Uh, so Bro, you gotta season see two is, yeah. We, yeah. We're like, we're talking about God and Jesus on one episode of the next episode. We're talking about Johnny Gosh and, and a pedophile ring, you know? So hey, man, we, that's we have uh, the same stuff going on, man. But spin truth. It doesn't matter. You're, you're spreading. Trying to, yeah. Yeah. We're exposing evil, bro. No matter what, we're trying to expose evil, and God says to do that. You know, in Ephesians, yeah. expose it. If you see it, expose it. That's yeah. what we're trying to do on the show. You know, as much as possible. Okay. Yeah. Can you shout out your podcast uh, again? Uh, sure. Get that. Also, the name of your book, so that yeah, I have that and they have that, and then also uh, your Instagram and stuff, so people can follow you. Yeah, man. Uh, just you know, it, on social media, it's uh, it's just Vanished Pod. You know, Vanished Pod is the is a, is you just search that on social media, we'll come up. Uh, we're on Twitter, we're on Instagram at Vanished Pod, uh, Facebook.com forward slash Vanished Podcast. I think is our Facebook, and we have a group on there, so you guys are welcome to if you like this kind of stuff to get into the group and and uh, you know talk mystery with us, talk some some stuff. Um, and then we've also got the book coming out. The book is called Rabbit Hole: The Vanishing of Amelia Earhart and Fred Noonan. And it's going to be out on uh, July the 2nd, the 85th anniversary, God willing. It'll be out uh, on that day if it kills me. Um, and we have season two of Vanished. Uh, we're in the middle of season two, sort of on a little bit of a hiatus right now. We've done, as I said, we opened with Jack the Ripper. We went to back to 1865 and did John Wilkes Booth uh, and the assassination of Abraham Lincoln. And then we uh, we just wrapped up. Oh, <laughs> yeah, we just wrapped up D.B. <laughs> Cooper and uh, we have a couple other fun ones in, in the pipeline. Um, Zodiac's one of them. Henry Avery's another one. Man, uh, there's, there's a lot of fun ones we're going to do. So these yeah. are all just good. These are all just like these are these are all top 10 things that, that I am. Ah. And yeah, so cool. I, I've watched so much stuff and, and, and read a lot of books on these things. And it's like, wow, man. Yeah. It would be fun, yeah, to, if you, fun to come on your show and pick your brain. You know, pick your uh, brain. Do a show about something. That's pretty cool, man. I yeah, like I, Absol- absolutely. Uh, it, it's a lot of fun. It's it's a it's a fun wheelhouse to be in, and uh, you know uh, we have a great show. We have a fun show. Uh, it's it's hard to listen to at some points because it's it's some disturbing stuff, some disturbing content, but it's historical yeah. and it's important and it's uh, you know, no, it's one of those things. So yeah, yeah, that's Epstein. what we do. We did, we did Jeffrey yeah. Epstein. It's cool. So much stuff. So, all right, yeah, well, man. let's end this in, in prayer, guys. Um, I, oh, first of all, let me just tell you guys, follow follow him, check out his podcast, um, you know, guys, uh, you know, and definitely follow him on Instagram. And and um, and then once the book comes out, what's the name of the book? I'm sorry. So the, Yeah, it's okay. The, the book is called Rabbit Hole. Uh, and the Rabbit subtitle Hole. Is, yeah, Rabbit Hole, The Vanishing man, of the Heart get- and Fred Noonan. Bro, how'd you get that title? I thought any, I thought someone would definitely have that title. Rabbit hole. Yeah. Yeah. Rabbit hole. That's what the case is. So I just, wow. uh, I decided to name it that. So that'll be out on, on July 2nd. Uh, it's from, um, from into the fray. They're publishing it. They're a great partnering okay. team with us and, awesome. and, uh, we're excited to put it out, man. All right. Chris, good, man. Thank you for being on here, man. Uh, thank you so much. This was, I was, I, like I said earlier, I was a little exhausted from work today, but right now when it comes in, <laughs> man, this is like, uh, it, it woke me up and, I, and I'm feeling good. And I'm like, wow, I want to go watch some, I want to go watch some stuff once and just go back yeah. right now. Yeah, man. Yeah. Happy to be here. It's been an honor. I, I appreciate both of you. Thank you. Let's, we'll end this in prayer. Uh, Father God, in the name of Jesus, uh, thank you so much for a clear connection. Uh, we appreciate anybody that's listening right now that, that needs you, Lord, please uh, 
put your healing hand on them. Uh, we, you know, my family just got over this COVID, uh, you know, we got sick, we had the flu, whatever, you know, just, uh, please help out everybody that's sick right now. Uh, help Chris with his new book rabbit hole, uh, help it get promoted, help it, um, you know, help people to, uh, to solve this case. Uh, and Lord help more people to get into the Bible, you know, to, to help more people to, to start learning about you, Lord. Thank you so much for everything you do for us. We love you in Jesus name. Amen. Amen. All right. Chris, Great final thank prayer. you so much, man. I appreciate you coming on, dude. Thank you. And Jason, thank you so much, bro, for taking your time out, even though you were tired. 